On Friday, April 1st, another group of Gonzaga students returned to I Street after making their first Kairos retreat. The 166th retreat group joined a fraternity of faith that will bond them and all who took part. Now, back in episode seven of the Echo Ever Proudly podcast, we covered the origins of Kairos at Gonzaga with Father John Cicero and John Cosgrove. And one of the people they both mentioned, one of the folks who was there right at the beginning, was Mary Ellen Whitcomb. She joins us this week, along with Pat O'Neill and John Getches from the class of 85. Mary Ellen, how many total Kairos retreats do you think you were a part of during your time on I Street? I think it was around 70 or 80. I went on every one while I was there, except in the very beginning, I was working as an assistant to Bernie Dooley and putting out the newsletter. So I couldn't go on one a year because we had to go to press in the very beginning. But then in 87, I ran the whole program from then until I left in uh, 01. Mary Ellen, when we started talking about Kairos in episode seven, we really tried to give Father Roger Callan, who was headmaster of Gonzaga at the time, the full credit that he deserves for discovering this program. And then he he brought it to you, right? He came and asked me if I'd be willing to organize this retreat and put it together. He thought it was really neat and he wanted to try it. And so he gave me a copy of their program, like their schedule of the retreat. And Mary Ellen, for context, the program you're talking about originated at Loyola Academy in Willamette, Illinois, and you had to work with the team there on I Street to sort of adapt it to Gonzaga. And it was an eight-hour team meeting, and we met on a Saturday morning, the Jesuits and I, and and then I went up and typed all, because we had to readjust, like they'd be having something at the swimming pool or something, you know, the the... The locations didn't jive. So uh, we revised it to our place where we were going. Then I went and typed it all. And then we asked the original team. Mary Ellen, take us back to 1984 and the process where you now have to pick student leaders for a retreat program that is brand new. How did you go about picking some of the student leaders, two of which we have joining us in just a moment, Pat O'Neill and John Getches? What what was your team looking for when you were picking the student leaders? Well, we were trying to get different social groups, kids we knew that we thought would do a good job on it. And we also had to think about future leaders because these kids were going to start the thing and be leaders. So it's all of those things. We tried to get different segments of the class, so to speak. And uh, people we liked. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely makes it easier. No doubt about that. Let's welcome John Getches from the class of 85. Good to see you. John, do you still remember the invitation? Was it in person? Was it a note? The ask was Mary Ellen coming up and giving a brief description of of what happened. You know, we we really didn't know much about it. I will say, I I always felt like it was an honor. At the time, I was not Catholic. You know, my dad's a Methodist minister and, you know, the Jesuits are so inclusive. Be able to do something like this, I really, you know, was uh, very proud of and and thought that, you know, um, really honored to be asked to do it. Let's bring in Pat O'Neill from the class of 85 right now, one of the pioneers of Kairos as far as student leaders go. Pat, did you have that same feeling that John described that just being asked to be a part of this was an honor? Uh, It is. Hey, Brian. Um, My recollection was from the kids' side, it it was a retreat uh, with people, uh, adults that we enjoyed being with. It was a no-brainer for us. I think the harder ask was our parents who were being being asked to 
entrust their children in a retreat shrouded in some mystery with a, a trust test factor to it that ultimately has worked ever since. Mary Ellen, Pat raises a good point. How challenging at the beginning was selling Kairos to the parents? Yes, to a certain degree. It wasn't a big sell, though. We only had 12, 10 or 12 kids. So it's not like these days when you have to you know, go out to 50 some. The parents really didn't give us any trouble about it. The only concern they had was they were missing three days of school. Now, Pat and John were both student leaders when I made my Kairos retreat in 1985. And one of the things that I thought was so powerful was seeing not just the student leaders out of context, but also faculty members. Don Smith, the late soccer coach, uh, he was an incredibly hard-nosed guy. I experienced him when the cross-country and soccer team went on a uh, camp in August of 82 up to uh, Vermont. So seeing him expressing his faith and sharing how important his relationship with God was was something that was just so different and we used to kid about Don Smith that he even cried at breakfast. I, I he remember just that. got so into him and so involved with everyone's salt and moved by it. It was just amazing to see him. John, Pat, did you guys have that same sense? Uh, he was one of my favorite you know, teachers at Gonzaga. In addition to seeing faculty members out of context, we also got to see peers that we maybe kind of put in a box. Okay, well, this is the star football player, or this is, you know, the smart guy who uh, takes Father Woodward. We are now seeing people in a completely different context that changed the way you felt once you returned to school. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. You know, just giving the, the forum for people to open up it really broadens your perspective on other individuals, yourself, your faith. So I totally agree. The genius of the program itself to have the leaders be make themselves vulnerable from the get-go and see them in a different way prompted all of us to be a little more open and then open to each other. And, and what a way to build your faith with God, with each other, and, and for us to start senior year uh, with a camaraderie that never would have been experienced before. The Kairos program, the Kairos program was so successful on I Street that it spread not only to other Jesuit schools, but also to other diocesan schools and Catholic schools around the country. And Pat, your kids have benefited from that, right? Yeah, my daughter at Holy Cross, Academy of Holy Cross, and went. And again, the same powerful experience that, that each of us experienced was radiating from her when she returned. It was, it was really neat. Now, Pat, did you share with your daughter that you were one of the early team leaders of the Kairos program when it started at Gonzaga? I didn't harp on being the first until after she returned from Kairos, and, and we had that shared experience, and, and it meant much more at that time than, than obviously ahead of time. John, are you having a similar experience with your kids? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, having that shared experience with, uh, with three of my kids, and I have two others that hopefully will be able to go on it too. You know, like, like Pat said, we we didn't really talk about, oh, I was the first, you know, I think they knew that I had gone on it before, you know, the same kind of mystery. It's amazing that these kids really still don't have any idea what they're going, you know, what they're going to get. They've been able to keep that a secret. But just being able to, when they return to, to kind of share my memories and, and hear about their experiences, it was pretty special. Now, John, you mentioned earlier you weren't Catholic at the time. Walk everyone through your journey of faith. When did you decide to become a Catholic? Yeah, I, right before I uh, went to Catholic University for undergrad and right before I got married, I converted. And, and you know, John Cicero, who you've mentioned, 
was the person who shepherded me through that and then eventually you know, performed the marriage ceremony too. So, and, wow. and got, and again, got to know him, you know, from the Kairos that I was really on, you know, that I was on with him. Kairos creates an incredible bond, a fraternity of faith. And Mary Ellen, it's not just the students, the faculty members and the Jesuits who go on these retreats and lead the students that are connected as well. Do you still keep up with a lot of the old Kairos kids? Oh, yes. I keep in touch with a lot of them. Three of them go to the grocery store for me now. (laughs) Uh, So that's very nice. But uh, yeah, I keep in touch with many kids. And when I read that their parents have died or things like that, the ones I stay in touch with, I always try to write. They're appreciative. Mary Ellen, as we celebrate the history of Gonzaga and Kairos, there's probably nobody who got to witness the Kairos effect more than you since you were involved in 70, maybe 80 of these retreats. The effect was real. Yes, it was wonderful just to see the change, how they grew in their faith in those three days. I mean, the change was very significant and it often lingered. It didn't just happen for those three days. And that was very uh, encouraging, too. Pat, as the school celebrates its bicentennial, the spiritual faith formation of a Jesuit education is so important. And when you look at the legacy of Kairos, how would you describe it? The legacy of Kairos is the openness and the relationship that began, that I began with God at that time was sort of the opening and, and the spirituality that, that you experience throughout life. It comes in different ways, but it often reminds me of the Kairos experience, the, the reference to uh, maybe some songs that, that might play that, that bring me back to that time and, and center me in, in the relationship with God. That That's the legacy for me, I think. What about for you, John? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I mentioned the music is, has always been important. I hear things like you mentioned. There's certain songs I hear that bring me back. I've gone back and looked at notes before that, that are important to me. The people that I went on these two, I mean, one as a leader and one as a, a student, I've had people come up to me and, and say things to me where I was, I was a leader about how important it was, how much they remember of my talks. Which is really amazing, because I, I don't. I guess I don't really think about the influence I might have had on other people, because I know how much of it is an influence for me. How much it helped me personally. You know, seeing those people around, talking to them, living it through my kids who've gone on it. That's always been. That's kind of what kept me grounded and kept me going back to the how great Kairos is. And even now, all these years later, I might hear get a letter from a kid or something, reminded him of Kairos, or he. We had experiences, you know, a serious experience in life. And then he'll write and say how much Kairos meant to him. And he didn't realize it till now. And those things make you feel good that it's still affecting people. And of course, Patrick worked with me for years. We co-ran it together for a long time, too. So he had that experience, too. Dave Dugan for the class of 98, going to bring you in now, Vice President of Alumni and Advancement, and he's helping us uh, do the Zoom with Mary Ellen. And Dave, share with everybody what you remember about your Kairos experience. I was fortunate to have uh, watched my older brothers return with that wonderful Kairos glow. And I went on at my senior year, the fall of 97. In fact, John Cosgrove was on that, Mike Howe, Don Smith. It was just such a moving, moving four-day experience. And Mary Ellen was kind enough to extend an invitation, so I got a chance to go on the February Kairos uh, as well my senior year. Now, Dave, it's been a minute since John, Pat, and Mary Ellen have been on I Street involved with Kairos day to day. You get to see the Kairos effect from your office. Would you say the retreat program is as strong as ever? It's still such a vital part 
of the formation of Gonzaga Young Men. I've been back on campus now for nearly five years. I've been to closing ceremonies and you see the enthusiasm of the faith and the excitement of these young kids. The greatest memory I have is just that reminder of unconditional love. It may be the first time for these young retreatants to experience in a tangible way what unconditional love is. It goes back to its core, its foundation that you all started and established, and it's only blossomed. Now, Mary Ellen, the seed that got planted by Roger Callen on I Street has blossomed. And during your time on I Street, you were part of a team that was helping plant that seed in other schools around the country. Is it true you guys went as far as California? Yes, Father Greg Miller was out there and he wanted to teach it. We took sophomores in college and they had been the class of 89. Brother Richmond and I took groups out there and we flew to Sacramento and Scott Hamburger was the lector and he was in that class and these kids were coming up the hill on the bus. I said, Scott, just think in about 10 minutes, 60 kids will hate you. (laughs) (laughs) He has given that speech and nobody knew him from anything. (laughs) So he said, oh my God, you didn't have to tell me that. Again, it worked. And we were that way on the first one. We get in the team meetings and we all go, this is amazing. It's working, you know, because we had no idea what it was going to be like either. So that was a very exciting part of it, just to see it work. Now, Mary Ellen, when I visited with John Cosgrove and Father John Cicero to talk about Kairos, they both believe that the Holy Spirit is definitely involved and that in many ways, the way this program has turned out has, has to be divinely inspired. Oh, I do. I have great faith in the Holy Spirit. And just things that would happen, like a kid would say, I'm going, I'm not going. He changed his mind. Of course, I then had to change all the groups. And, and then finally, the last day he said it, I, he said, I'm really sorry. And I said, yes, you are. I was ready to kill him. He came up to me later. He said, I'm going to go. And then I had to change everything again. But he, he came and on the third day, he said, I'm so glad you said I was sorry because I felt bad and that's why I came and I'm glad I did. So, you know, I feel the Holy Spirit had to be involved there to get that kid to turn around and come. So the Holy Spirit will use shame and guilt. Yeah, I felt (laughs) terrible when I said, yes, you are, but maybe that was a good thing. It's proof that the Holy Spirit is indeed Catholic. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Mary Ellen, when you see how it's turned out all these years later, and you reflect back on that first ask from Father Roger Callan, what does it make you think of? I think he planted just a wonderful seed there, and he didn't know. He just thought he he liked what he heard about the Chicago one. And uh, I'm so glad he did, because it's, it's been such a wonderful thing, and it goes on and on, thank God. Yes, thank God and thank Gonzaga for being open to it in the early 80s. And thank you, Mary Ellen Whitcomb, for all you've done. Also, uh, John Getchis from the Class of 85 and Pat O'Neill from the Class of 85. Thank you for sharing your memories. You guys all were sort of Kairos pioneers. Amen. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. That puts a wrap on episode 26 of the Echo Ever Proudly podcast as we celebrate some Kairos pioneers. As we head into Holy Week this next week, want to wish you and your family, wherever you are, a very happy, holy, and blessed Easter. Until next time, ad maorium, dei gloriam, and hail Gonzaga. Oh.